remember at one point last semester, one of my classmates approached me in the hallway and told me that she had stalked my Instagram profile and decided we should be best friends. It's my new favorite way to make friends, just declaring it, and it's how I found most of my community at Bethel. It's just like kindergarten. As an elementary education major, I love that idea. Yeah, I think, honestly, going up to somebody and just telling them you're going to be friends, just based on their reaction, you can tell if they're going to be worth being your friend. Yeah, you learn a lot about people that way. <laughs> I think that's a pretty crazy story, Anna, and I think it highlights the fact that it's pretty awesome when you are able to find friends like that, especially in college when it seems impossible sometimes to find that group and find people that you can hang out with. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Marin, and I like Noah Khan, tulips, and applesauce on my mashed potatoes. I'm Sebastian, and I like Imagine Dragons, Lacrosse, and Ranch on Cheeseburgers. I'm Anna, and I'm like Harry Styles, Fantasy Books, and Haggis. I'm Megan, and I like Chase Atlantic, Bunnies, and Rice with Everything Bagel Seasoning. Welcome to Modern Story Podcast, episode number seven. Today we're telling stories about belonging. Let's get started with Marin and her story called Unprompted Encouragement. If you know me, you know that I love summer camp and all of the things that come along with it. The summer after I graduated high school, I was hired as a counselor for my childhood summer camp. It seemed like I blinked and my first group of campers were unfolding their sleeping bags and screaming over spiderwebs in our cabin. I was like, wow, they are here. Each of their, ni- each of their little nine-year-old bodies had a family at home, opinions in their head, and they were searching for love in their heart. As quickly as my campers arrived, so did the So did the doubts in my head. Would I be able to keep them safe? What if they didn't like me? Or how would I teach them the gospel? I remember being sick with all these worrisome thoughts. There were times when I couldn't even finish my cookie, which is by far the best part of any camp meal. All of the other counselors were having the time of their lives with their campers. It seemed so natural for them to find joy, but the only thing that seemed to come naturally to me was to worry. After seeking advice from other counselors and staff, I was reminded time after time to pray that God would work regardless of my mental state. By Wednesday night, I was feeling so guilty about all of the mental battles that I had been fighting throughout the week. I remember laying in my bunk and feeling utter defeat. My campers were scattered throughout the cabin. Some of them were coloring, others were making bracelets, and I was chatting with one of them. I don't even really remember what we were talking about, but then all of a sudden, she looked at me looked me in the eyes and said, Marin, I see God through you. I was like, whoa. I was speechless and I didn't really know what to say. I don't really remember what I said, but I do remember that I learned so much during my summer as a camp counselor. And this is one thing that I never want to forget. When I was feeling so anxious and so doubtful that the Lord would ever be able to use me, he gave my camper these sweet, unprompted words of encouragement. It was even sweeter that this camper happened to come from a family that did not go to church, and she was just beginning to learn about God and His love for her. Now I know firsthand that the Lord can use anyone, any situation, and any time for His glory if we just let Him. I love that story so much. I totally know that moment of like when a little kid looks at you and you realize like this is a little life and all of a sudden what I'm going to say in this moment really matters so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that story. It tells, it kind of shows how even though a lot of little kids say really random things all the time, I feel like they can always just say something encouraging and we don't even have to expect it. Yeah, thanks for that story, Mary, and I think it really highlights the fact that God can speak to you in any moment, in any way, and 
oftentimes he speaks to you in the moments that you need it most. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Here's Sebastian in his story called Finding Home. I looked across at my mom from the passenger seat of the car and said, yep, this is it. I'm going here. That single moment changed my life forever, whether I had known it or not. I was 18 years old, it was September, and I was in the process of finishing my two-year associate's degree at Century College in White Bear Lake. Having taken taken AP classes and completing a year of PSEO at Century, I was getting a little bit of a head start to my college career, hoping, like my parents always told me to, to take advantage of the opportunity. I knew what I wanted to go to school for. I wanted to be a teacher. I knew this because this was the only job that I could really see myself doing. I couldn't wait for the opportunity to influence the next generation with my passion for English. I was set. What I wasn't set on was where I was going to go to school. I always imagined myself as a gopher. Ever since I was a little kid, I just envisioned myself as a U of M student. I fell in love with their sports teams. I was entranced by the atmosphere of a large school like that, and I really wanted to go have fun. This was my reality my whole life, until a day in mid-September when my mom and I drove through the west gate of Bethel University, struggling to find our reserved parking spot for the tour. It was simply assumed that I was going to the U of M whether that be for good reasons or ridiculous ones. As I was winding down my community college degree, my mom was encouraging me to explore all of my options. She wanted me to try hard to try to find the best fit. Well, I just wanted to pick a random one because, well, let's face it, 18-year-olds don't take things too seriously. I caved. I agreed to visit Bethel as well as St. Thomas and Northwestern. Bethel was the first college to pop up on my computer monitor, so that was our first visit. Little did I know that would be the only one. Me and my mom got in the car together on a crisp autumn morning. The leaves fell from the trees, and it felt as if my stomach was falling from my body. I was nervous. Picking a college was intimidating. It felt really important, and I felt lost. I was worried our visit wasn't going to go well. My first impression of Bethel was not the best, I I will admit. My mom and I entered the CLC building, and we were both completely clueless as where to go. So we took a seat in some open chairs. Roughly 15 minutes had passed without anyone giving us direction, and we started to get worried. Right before we were about to get up and ask someone for help, a professor, whose name I never ended up remembering, asked us if we needed help. I think he was a science professor, but I don't really remember his name. What I do remember was that he was extremely kind and welcoming, guiding us to the admissions office exactly where we needed to go. This would be a sign of what was what to come. After that, I fell in love with Bethel. I received an amazing tour, ate spaghetti in the DC for lunch, met with a financial aid representative that calmed my nerves, met a few friends and experienced a warm, welcoming atmosphere. I was sold. Everyone was so nice and it just felt right in my gut, in that spot you can't quite explain. I had seen enough and so had my mom. We didn't have to visit another college. Having now spent a year and a half at this campus, I can wholeheartedly say that Bethel has changed my life. My faith in God has been reborn, I've made lifelong friends, I've discovered myself and who I truly want to be, and I feel at home. I never assume anything anymore. I step outside my comfort zone, and I don't always go for the easy option. I know that there's always more out there for me. Sometimes, you just have to look. I love that idea of finding community in unexpected places. I think that's such an important idea and especially in this time of our life as like young adults when that community can be so difficult to find taking that step and then finding that instinct and listening to it is really really important i totally relate to just kind of knowing quote unquote knowing 
where you're supposed to go for college and then just going and taking a couple tours just to humor your parents and then it, you end up finding where you're going to go. Yeah. I love situations like that where you just go to a place and you're just like, okay, I belong here. Like, that's just so nice. Yeah, I think it was a really powerful experience and just having that moment of clarity even though I didn't have a list of specific reasons why this was the best fit is just really powerful and I think that's probably the most powerful feeling that you can have in a situation like that. Here's Megan and her story called Running Towards Community. It was the spring of sixth grade and I was about to make the most significant decision of my life. Which sport should I join? There were so many choices and it was really overwhelming. I could join volleyball, basketball, hockey, tennis, the list went on and on. I did the most logical thing my little 12-year-old mind could think to do. Pick the same sport as my best friend. The sport she chose was track and field and joining it has changed my life. I initially joined because the sport seemed so easy. You just get pointed in a like you get pointed down the runway and run in a straight line. However, I soon realized that running was my passion. Not just any type of running though, running over hurdles. When I first joined, I assumed that I would run long distance because that's what my dad had done when he was in high school. However, it didn't take long for me to realize that I was definitely not distance material. After trying out every event, I found that I had the most fun with hurdles. I was smitten with the adrenaline that shot through my body as the gun signaled the start of a race, and I had to run to make it over all 10 obstacles. Open sprints and relays were a lot of fun too, and they're still events that I enjoy doing today. But there's just something special about the technique and coordination required to participate in the event that just made hurdles so much more physically challenging and fun. Even after the middle school years ended, I still loved running hurdles, so I joined the high school track team. Through personal experience, I've found that connections made through sports are always so much more meaningful than friendships found anywhere else. During this time on the high school team, my coach corrected my form and helped me with my speed training, as well as with life in general. She helped me with schoolwork, gave me life advice for anything I went through, and helped me hone my leadership skills. I also met some of my closest friends through the sport, friends that are my main connection to the high school today, even now as a PSCO student. The friends I've made along the way haven't been limited to my own school, though. Track has helped me make more connections to other high schools as well. Track has helped me stay connected to people at the high school, and being a part of the team has also helped me to stay active, even in the off-season, giving me a reason to work out. The past seven springs of my life have been full of joy because of track, and none of it would have been possible if I hadn't taken the leap of faith needed to join. I'm so glad you figured out that you love to run hurdles, because in my time in track and field, that was not the case for me. <laughs> I was going to say, I can barely run at all, so <laughs> I, I do not understand, but I love the idea of finding a mentor in your coach. Like, I think having that older figure who can really help you through your life is really, really important in a lot of ways. I really connected with your story, Megan, because I think um, both myself and probably some of the people listening to our podcast can relate to the fact that um, oftentimes sports run deeper. And it's not just about the sport itself, but it's also about the things you learn, the connections you make, and what you learn about um, life and its challenges through the sport as well. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that my soft skills, um, just for general life, have definitely improved since joining a sport. And here's Anna and her story called Free Pancakes. I'd been living in Edinburgh for almost a month, and my apartment still doesn't have Wi-Fi. It seems like such a silly, Gen Z thing to be upset about, but it meant if I wanted to watch a lecture, attend class, or do homework, I had to leave my apartment and find somewhere in the city with free Wi-Fi. 
So my friends and I would bounce from cafe to cafe, trying to find a spot with decent enough Wi-Fi, while every other student in the city tried all of the same places, effectively crashing every signal in a half-mile radius around the university. One day, a few weeks into the semester, one of my friends texted us saying there was a place right below their dorm that had free, stable Wi-Fi. We were all a little skeptical because we knew this place was a Christian organization, but when my friend informed us there was also free pancakes, we were sold. The place was called Roots, but it wasn't totally clear what exactly Roots was. It wasn't a coffee shop, though they had free self-serve tea and coffee. It wasn't a social or study space associated with the university, but they had study rooms and board games and social events all geared towards students. We walked in, went quickly to the empty back room, grabbed pancakes, did our homework, and left. I didn't think about Roots for another four months. During spring semester, my previous friend group had largely dissolved, my roommate had moved back to the States, and I had Wi-Fi in my apartment, so my social life had dwindled to almost nothing. I needed community, and I hadn't found it in university life. The very last thing I wanted to do was go to a church, but I felt trapped, and sometimes even a bad option is better than no option. But something in me, call it what you will, but I call it God, started pointing me back to roots. So I went. I don't like new places, new situations, or new people. I despise unknown circumstances and vulnerability, but I went anyway. I stepped inside, sat down at the main table next to the woman who had greeted me and my friends last fall, and opened the conversation with, I'm looking for a community. Over the next several months, I was unfolded into a place unlike any I had ever seen. Roots was founded in Christianity but had no interest in evangelizing, and their main goal was to provide a safe place for university students to come and just exist without expectations. They practiced the kind of radical hospitality that so many churches talk about, but I had never seen those ideas applied in real life. Everything was free, you only interacted as much as you wanted to, and nothing was expected in return. I felt so at home there so quickly that I agreed to go on a weekend retreat with these people even though I had only known them for two weeks. It turned out to be one of the best weekends of my life. By the end of the semester, I was spending nearly every day at Roots, and the friends I had made there had changed my life in so many ways. It became a home for me, and it still is every time I go back to visit. Last fall, they offered me an internship after graduation, and when I went back to Edinburgh in January, they offered me a job instead. Five years, right out of college, working in a community I love in my favorite city in the world because of broken Wi-Fi and free pancakes. I really love that story. I think it shows really well that um, you can find community even in the most unexpected places and you just have to step outside your comfort zone. I think your most powerful um, line in that entire story, Anna, was when you talked about sitting down and just being honest and saying, I'm looking for a community. And I think that that's what you have to do sometimes. You have to be honest with yourself, honest with other people, and oftentimes step outside of your comfort zone to find a community and find people that you just gel with. Yeah, I love the name Roots for the organization. I think it's so cool of like, I don't know, it's just fitting how it's like Roots and then it's how you found your community is part of your Roots. Yeah, it's something I found too and like I was saying at the beginning of the episode with just declaring your friends with somebody, I find that a lot of times when you approach relationships that way, when you just declare that you're friends, you kind of then figure it out from there, but you've got that foundation mm-hmm. instead of that roots. weird in-between. Yeah. 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 So what have we all learned today? I've learned that everyone 
um, deserves to find a sense of belonging no matter where they are or who they are. I learned that I think um, you often have to step outside your comfort zone in order to find a community and find belonging in your life. I've learned that because everybody is looking for community, sometimes it's as simple as just asking for it. I've learned that you can never go wrong with free pancakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there you go. We want to thank some of the people for helping us out on this Modern Story podcast at Bethel University in St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks to Professor Chris Schaffner and his teaching assistants for maintaining the podcast studio and giving us access to it. Thanks to the writers who inspired our stories, and thank you to each of you for the edits. Look for the next episode of Modern Story Podcast, which is about new experiences. And lastly, go tell your father about Modern Story. Go tell your brother. Go tell your best friend's boyfriend's great aunt. There you go. And tell, um, let's just say, your cashier at Target. (laughs) Good. I like it. And then your pickle jar. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Very important. Absolutely. (laughs) I was going to say your fake pet hamster. (laughs) Oh, why is it fake? I don't know. I don't have a real pet hamster. I was going to tell my pet rock, so. Oh, Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) 